You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the show. How are you all doing? Are you all surviving? I hope you are. I hope you're having as swell a day as Mary and her husband are having. Well, dear, how was the game? It was a hot day, wasn't it? Well, hot is right. The game, just so-so as usual. No goodness, Mary, I feel all in. What Mary doesn't know is that her husband has been at a brothel all day. Those last two holes took everything ahead. See what I mean? Even the shower didn't seem to help much. Just I'll just sit down in the easy chair and rest a bit. Depressing little soul, isn't he? I thought you'd be feeling kind of low and played out here. Well, I'm repeating the wholesome little ceremony you liked so much last week. Yeah, what's that? Mm, the most refreshing drink there is. I'm guessing arsenic. It'll boy you up all right. And afterwards, I'm sure you'll feel that your exercise is well worthwhile. Here you are. Ah, ice, Maxwell House coffee, huh? Yummy? I tell you, Mary, this certainly does hit the spot. And ladies and gentlemen, in golf and tennis clubs, around swimming pools, in the locker rooms of the baseball parks, at the beaches. Basically anywhere that people take their clothes off. Wherever people are active this summer. And naked. You'll find a growing custom. You certainly will. People are drinking iced Maxwell House coffee. And you'll enjoy it too whenever you need refreshment. A cooling drink of iced Maxwell House coffee with its friendly stimulation that buoys you up and never lets you down. Iced Maxwell House coffee, the Viagra of the 1940s. So much cool stuff to tell you about. Better do a news bulletin, though. Okay, first up, I appeared on the old Hollywood Realness podcast where I got to talk to hosts Philip and Kathleen about Val Luton's Cat People, which was so much fun. Thank you for having me, guys. If you haven't heard it yet, do run on over and subscribe. They're such a nice pair of folks. I also appeared on the most recent edition of the Anywhere But Here podcast, albeit in hangover mode. Yes, I and my fellow pod pals decided to spend a glorious evening on Jackbox TV and we had a splendid time. I think I consumed the rest of my life's quota in alcohol, though, and certainly felt it the next morning. So if you want to hear a very croaky Adam, then go and listen to episode 270 now. And a swift shout out to my very good friends Ben, Smokey, Ant, Tom, Liz and Scott for a superb evening which I believe will now be a weekly occurrence. I think I'll stick to coconut water for a while though. For patrons slash co-producers, if you haven't seen it yet, I've compiled a list of feel-good movies from the Golden Age in case you're in need of a lift. I know that speaking personally, Golden Age movies are keeping me sane and happy right now, and especially the ones that make my heart sing. So what I've done is I've compiled not just a list of films for you to watch, but also links for every single one of them so that you now have a complete and instant collection of 20 or so Golden Age classics at your fingertips anytime your spirits need a boost. 
Must send huge props first to my good friend Ben of Capture Films, who's really making the film club happen each week thanks to his ingenuity. The selection of films we're able to show is phenomenal. And also, my hugest props to not just the weekly film club patrons, but also the man, the legend, Mr. Rob Bowman, musical director for countless Broadway hits, and the man who provided the musical backing for the peerless Miss Elaine Stritch, God bless her soul. Thanks to the film club attendees and their sparkling company, Rob has been rediscovering the joys of movie watching, and it's my honour, nay privilege, to hereby confer upon Mr. Rob Bowman the title of Film Club Musical Director. Yes, Rob, your previous accolades, though they be many, mean nothing compared to the prestige of this distinction. Your entire life has been leading you here, and long may your warmth and wisdom light up our movie gatherings, you wonderful man. At the beginning of the year, I was asked to narrate Series 2 of the sci-fi detective podcast series Monsoon Jackson, produced by Leitmotif Productions. That has now launched, so if you want to hear me narrating that, then search for Monsoon Jackson in your podcatchers. I hasten to add, I only narrate Series 2, the new series, and I also hasten to add that I did not write or produce the series. I was merely brought in to narrate it, so if you have any praise to heap upon its creators, or any inquiries about future series, please direct it to Leitmotif Productions and to the series writer, the marvellously talented Mr. Andy Case. Andy, it was such a pleasure to be the voice of your script, and how wonderful that it's finally out. Sterling job, sir. And finally, my honour to tell you that there's a new edition of The Dark Pages out. This time around, The Dark Pages has features on a pair of Billy Wilder classics, a special look at the brand new Ida Lupino DVD collection, a whole bunch of picks from the best quotes in noir movies playing on TCM right now, and a great profile of William Conrad. There's tons more too, as this is one of their supersized editions. Do make sure you check it out by going to www.allthatnoir.com. And sticking with the noir theme, here's Frank Sinatra singing the theme from the 1944 noir classic and half of this weekend's film club double bill, Laura. Laura is the face in the misty light Footsteps that you hear down the hall that floats on a summer night that you can never quite recall and you see Laura train that is passing through those eyes how familiar they seem 
your very first kiss to you that was Laura but she's only a And that was Frank Sinatra with Laura from the 1944 film. Hey, hold it, hold it, kid. Stop the music. Stop the music. What's the matter, Harlow? Yeah, what's wrong? It's May. That's the matter. Wrong, brother. You mean what's right. The Kelvinator division of Nash Kelvinator has agreed to stand by tonight and let Nash have the whole show. And this is why. Just listen to this telegram from Nash. Okay to announce big news. Stop. All Nash dealers, coast to coast. Now, get this. All Nash dealers will have the new Nash on display tomorrow. And? Say, that's the news I've been waiting for. You're so convincing there, Kurt. You and a million others, Kurt. And what an eyeful they're going to get. (laughs) Everyone. Let's ask him some double entendre questions. Is the Nash 600 really big? Even bigger than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> Good one. And how about economy? Does the new Nash 600 really deliver 25 to 30 miles on a gallon? Like a breeze, Kurt. Yeah, Kurt. Don't think you've really got the hang of this. So why not make it a family affair? Take the kids and neighbors, too. You've waited a long time for this. But, man, it was worth it. Just wait till you see the new Nash on display at your dealer's tomorrow. I don't really think I hate my family and neighbours enough to take them on a surprise outing to a car dealership. Or maybe I do. Well, a trip over to the What's My Line studio for you now, then. Very cool star for you to guess today, so prick up your ears. Listen for the voice. And see if you can tell... Who the hell is that Hollywood legend? Well, as you know, in the case of our mystery challenge here, we go to a different form of questioning. You can ask one question at a time in turn, moving clockwise, and we're short of time. We'll begin with Bennett, sir. Well, various sports are coming to a climax right nowadays. Are you connected prominently with some sport? Yes, What? That means no. One down, nine to go, we still got it. Uh, are you connected in any way with music? Ah. <laughs> what is that? What is that? That's, uh, yes, you are connected in some way with music. Mr. Backus? Are you primarily known as uh, a motion picture personality? Da. Ms. Francis? What is that, yes or no? Da is yeah. yes. No. Yet is no. Da. Yeah. Da. Uh, would you be considered a leading man? Would you be considered a leading man? Mr. Sir? Are you in a picture that is presently playing on Broadway or about to open on Broadway? Yep. Two down and eight to go, Miss Kilgallen. I'm sorry, but my Russian is so bad. Is that yes or no? No. No? Yet is no. Oh. Uh, But you are connected with music. Have you ever made any records? Some. A few. Very few. Very Very few. few. 
Very few. Very few, Mr. Backus. Are you known? Uh, are you known as a as a heavy? By that a villain, prim primarily. Da. Da. Yes, that's yes. Da da da. Da 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 da. Da da da. da. da, da, da. He's da. a heavy villain, huh? Uh. Huh. Are you? Uh, are you? Um, are you now? <laughs> I'm trying to think of villains I have known. Would you be considered a uh, more of an actor than a singer? Yes. Zip. Would you say you were above medium weight on the fat side? <laughs> no. That no. Makes it three thousand seven to go, Miss Kilgallen. Uh, I think Jim thinks he knows it, and I haven't the faintest idea, so I'll pass. Yes, Jim. Is it by? Do you have? I am only allowed one. And we will stop it there. Have you got a clue? I would say that if you consider the language he's using and focus on the tone of the voice, then you may have a fairly good shot at guessing who that is. Answer coming up later. On to a pair of movies now, though. First movie today is so much fun. 1937's Easy Living. And what a freaking cast here. Gene Arthur, Edward Arnold, Ray Milland. Franklin Pangborn, William Demarest, written by Preston Sturges and directed by Mitchell Lyson. Get ready for some glamour in your life because they do not come more glamorous than this. Graves, Graves, where are you? Come here. Coming, Mr. Ball. What's the matter with the old garbage can? Somebody stole it, Mr. Ball. Oh, nothing is safe. Tell the chef the world isn't made of butter. Tell him to try lard. Oh, but Mr. Ball, the chef says... It's all right what the chef says. Tell him he can fry an egg very nicely in lard. Tell him I said so. The plot leans uneasily on a series of contrivances, but go with it. Jean Arthur plays down-on-her-luck Mary Smith, who's literally smacked in the face one day by a mink coat that's been flung away in disgust by one of the richest men in America, J.B. Ball, played by Edward Arnold. Yes, can you believe it? Edward Arnold playing a rich banker. When has that ever happened before? Where did you find it? Uh Find what? How do I know it's yours? Well, look at the label and see if it doesn't say A.B. Zicklin Company. You work for a living? Yes, that's right, all right. What? Why, of course I do. <laughs> well, I, well, I don't see what business that is of you. Say, look what you did to my hat. Do you own a fur coat? No, I don't, but I still <laughs> That's don't. where you're wrong. <laughs> you own that one. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> now, just a minute, Santa Claus. Huh? What's the matter with it? Is it hot? I don't know. I've never worn one. What kind of fur is it, anyway? Zebra. Deciding that he'd like to do this girl some good, JB buys her a new hat as a present for being so honest. Thing is, they buy the thing from a particularly gossipy shop, and it isn't long before rumors are going around town that JB has himself a new girlfriend. With a dancing partner. <laughs> you got the dope? The dance name, the hangout, etc., etc. I have but I haven't the slightest idea of parting with a scrap of it. Mr. Van Burns, with a little corruption from you, the curfew shall not ring next week. Thank you, thank you. Second to that, Louis Louis, really, the owner of the ultra-plush but ultra-unsuccessful hotel, Hotel Louis, is about to be foreclosed upon by JB. When he hears the rumor that JB has a pretty young girlfriend, he convinces Mary to move into the grandest suite he has in exchange for putting a good word in with her supposed boyfriend. You see them lives going on and off? 
Yes? That's Bell Boys. They switch the switches so the people don't know that my hotel is a fizzle. Now, that's, of course, strictly confidential. Oh, what a shame, Mr. Louis. But would you hear anyway I have some legitimate lights in my towers? Oh, I see what you mean. You can do also me a little favor, too. What? The next time you see Mr. Ball... Mr. Who? Oh, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have mentioned names. The next time you see that certain party without a name, would you tell him what a beautiful layout we have here? What a beautiful classy service we have here? Will you tell him that under no circumstances you will not move? Tell who? That certain party in the... Where? Whatever he does, the most good. Thing is, Mary has unknowingly met and fallen for J.B.'s son, John, played by Ray Milland. And through a series of events, all three end up staying at the hotel. Well, it isn't long before the gossip rags are making all they can out of this supposed love nest, which of course turns the hotel into the hottest place to live in the entire city. What's the matter with this hotel? It isn't fashionable, dear. You will notice when J.B. Ball wants to pick a dillo, he doesn't pick it here. He goes over to the Hotel Lewis really liked this. The script is first-rate, as you'd expect from Preston Sturges. This was actually his first film for Paramount, and it came just before his unprecedented run of hits from 1939 to 1944. But all the ingredients are here. You have a very high-concept comedy with screwball sensibilities, and it's full of that sparkling Preston Sturges dialogue that sounds as fresh today as it did then. The man was a time traveler. Couple his talents with the directorial clout of Mitchell Lyson, the man who gave us Midnight and Remember the Night and all those Fred McMurray comedies of the 40s, and you have an incredibly strong creative team. Performance-wise, Jean Arthur is so good in this. I mean, she's good in everything, but she's a wow here. I was struck while I was watching it just how effortlessly she disappears into her character every time. Doesn't matter what she's playing, she just vanishes and becomes that person. What an incredible talent she was. And despite playing yet another haughty banker, Edward Arnold really sends that stereotyping up here. He even gets into pratfalling. I mean, I know it's a stuntman doing it, but the scene at the very beginning of the film where he falls down a flight of stairs made me spit my drink out laughing. It's actually followed by another slapstick scene in which he chases his spendthrift wife around their apartment, which of course gives him the chance to fall over every piece of furniture in the room. It's a great change from seeing him in grumpy banker mode all the time. Further down, Ray Milland is really good. He gets thrown around with the best of them. And Luis Alberni, as the slowly simmering hotel owner, is a complete hoot. His dialogue is brilliant. For all you glamour fans, my God, the hotel room <laughs> that Mary rents from Louis for $7 a week will blow your minds. Each room is the size of a house, only in movie land, people. Some joint, huh? Yes. For everything you wish, we anticipate, even before you think. For reception room. Gas box. What? They tell me it works with gas, but I don't believe it. First bedroom. Ah, hot here. <laughs> Fifth reception room. <laughs> Undressing room. Two-way mirrors, huh? Every old hotel has got three. <laughs> it's funny, it's beautiful, it's wise, and it just sparkles, you know? I see films like this, and it makes me a little sad that they don't make them like this anymore. But then again, why should they when we have treasures like this to revisit? If you haven't seen it, check out 1937's Easy Living. It'll put a grin on your face for sure. 
Next up, I do love a movie that gets to the point with its title. The Brighton Strangler tells you everything you need to know. She married her boss. Gives away the plot from the outset. How about Vivacious Lady? Or Outcast Lady? Or International Lady? And to this curious collection of unbelievably to-the-point names for movies, you can now add 1940s Lady with Red Hair. Honestly, that is the name of a film that someone wrote. Shame it's saddled with such an uninteresting name, as the film itself is remarkably fun to watch. It's a biopic, too, which I adore. Gotta love a Golden Age biopic, with all that sanitizing and getting to the point. So yes, Lady with Red Hair stars Miriam Hopkins, Claude Rains, and Richard Ainley, and it's great, and here is a clip. Naturally, I sympathize with Karen. But you know, she's brought this all on herself with her silly modern ideas. And I can't be expected to say that I didn't see her when she... This is not a sideshow, ladies. We're not here to amuse you. And we don't care if you don't like it and go. But I've been called as a witness. Then you'll have plenty of opportunity to talk when you're on the witness stand. I will expect silence from now on. Proceed, Mr. Winter. Ends. Politician. The story here is of Mrs. Leslie Carter, one of the pioneers of the stage in the 19th century, actually referred to at the time of her living as the American Sarah Bernhardt. We're introduced to Mrs. Carter in a very messy divorce case where she not only loses her marriage due to her infidelity, but also access to her son. In order to get him back, Mrs. Carter must make money and quick. But how? Nobody's going to give me the money to reopen my case. I'll have to earn it and quickly, too. That's why we're going to New York. I'm going to be an actress. Oh, now you start that again. You don't know what you're talking about. It takes years of training to become a successful actress. I can walk and talk and shout as well as any other. But you've never been on a stage. What theatrical person would be foolish enough to even give you a chance? Now, Mother, I've thought of everything. And in a few years, I'll be rich and famous. And then, we'll just let them try to keep Dudley away from me. I mean, as plans go, it's okay. That's where all these Fathers for Justice were going wrong, I think. They should have just become rich and famous. Sometimes the simplest solutions are always the least obvious, aren't they? But Mrs. Carter is determined, and on she goes east, where she snares the attention of waspish genius David Belasco, New York's most renowned playwright and impresario, and who's played here by the absolutely spellbinding Mr. Claude Rains. Listen to this. Dear Belasco, this will introduce Mrs. Leslie Carter, the daughter of one of my closest and oldest friends. She has decided to go on the stage. I haven't time to eat, and he asks me to see society's stage hopefuls. I don't care if Fairchild owns this theatre. I don't care if you owe him nine years' rent. Nothing in the world will make me see this woman. David, please, for me. Oh. Uh, which of you is Mrs. Leslie Carter? I am. Oh, how do you do, Mrs. Carter? Many young beginners come to me for advice. I tell them all the same thing. Get into harness. Work, work, work. See good plays and well-trained actors, especially mine. You keep your health, keep your figure, hang on to your money. And while you have it, don't lend it to actors. That uh, covers all, I think. This has been a pleasure, Mrs. O'Connor. But, Mr. Belasco... Is there something else? Quickly, please. I came to have you fit a play to me, Mr. Belasco. And, of course, me to the play. I should be best in comedy, but that remains with you. You see, Mr. Fairchild's sufficiently interested to finance the whole arrangement. Has he seen you act? Oh, I never have. But I have the one great essential. Genius. Determination. That's your setup. Mrs. Carter wants to win her son back, but also find her place in the world and show the snooty social set who chased her away a thing or two. 
Miriam Hopkins is excellent in this. Her scenes with Claude Rains are what really snared my attention. The opening of the film is a little bit flat, and if I didn't know this was a biopic, then I would have found the pacing very jerky. I mean, it leaps from one scene to another, from one plot point to the next, with no regard for character development or anything. I mean, one minute she can't act, the next she's conquering the stage. It's all very breathless. But as I say, this is a true story, and I think the filmmakers were of the opinion that audiences of the day were savvy enough with Mrs. Carter's exploits to keep up. Fun fact, Mrs. Carter had actually worked with Miriam Hopkins on a film, so it all ties together. Forget all the fluff, though. The real deal is in watching Claude Rains and Miriam Hopkins tearing it up. How do you know I can't act? It's obvious. You think so? Because I walked into your exalted presence once and made a fool of myself. But since then, I've learned how presumptuous I was and how far the great god Belasco sat beyond my reach. So I've come to apologize. And to tell you to your face that you'll wake up someday to find out you've missed the greatest bet of your life. That's Mrs. Leslie Carter. Don't forget the name. Young woman, your talent is mostly brazen assurance. You'll find out I've more talent in my little finger than all the anemic actresses you've ever trained. And as for a play, now that I know you're shallow mine, I'll write my own. Yeah, come in here. Let's see if you have got something. It's like a slightly more sadistic camp fun version of my fair lady she can't do a thing right and by god he'll show her how if it kills him why do you turn from me am i less beautiful than i was two years ago have i been deformed by a single mistake by all the furies this is impossible live breathe act like a human being that's what you are you know a human being you did this perfectly yesterday you did it the day before where where did you learn this new trick what am i doing now did you imagine my dear child that you were pleading with your lover i was trying to I beg to contradict you, Mrs. Carter. You were trying to render she is only a bird in a gilded cage, and you're doing that atrociously. Oh, well, I don't know what I'm doing now. Well, so long as we're honest about it, there's hope. By the half-hour mark, I was completely sold. As I say, Miriam Hopkins is wonderful. She really is wonderful. I love the way she goes from determined but untalented ingenue to breathtaking stage phenomenon. And her tender scenes with her son are really quite touching. But nothing holds a candle to Claude Rains. I mean, he's great in everything everything but he is spellbinding in this he's like a stick of dynamite beneath the whole story and you do miss him when he's not on screen and if you want irrefutable proof that golden age actors were some of the most talented at the craft of acting just watch any scene he's in he takes the scenery he chews it up he rolls it round and he spits it out and then he dances around the place loses his mind and still finds the time to tug on your heartstrings the man is electrifying here uh, why do you turn from me Am I less beautiful than I was two years ago? Have I been deformed by a single so-and-so? Have the tears I've shed burnt ugly so-and-sos across my so-and-so? Look at me. You loved me once. There you are. The story's great. The performances are completely timeless. And when it was over, I was totally won over by it. It has a terrible title, yes, but 1940s Lady with Red Hair is absolutely worth your time. Seek it out and enjoy it. I really couldn't resist presenting a Claude Rains appearance for your radio delectation today. Now, he only ever really took the lead in scary stuff and murder stuff and thrillers and stuff. And seeing as how I'm trying to keep everyone's spirits raised a little bit right now, I thought I'd play something he appeared in with the queen of keeping spirits high, the female star who kept America smiling all the way through the Great Depression. So I shall leave you with Claude himself and a very special co-star as we head over to the Lux Radio Theatre. 
and I will see you afterwards. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Shirley Temple, Claude Rains, and Preston Foster in The Littlest Rebel. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Whatever it takes to make a motion picture star, we've got a whole lot of it here tonight in a very small package. Shirley Temple is making her first appearance in the Lux Radio Theater, her first appearance in a full-length radio play. It carries me back a few years to the day I watched her on the set doing her first important role. Later, I saw the picture score its first hit, not at a glittering premiere with milling crowds and bright lights tracing patterns in the sky, but in a studio projection room, just four bare walls and the toughest audience in the world, men and women who make pictures for a living. When it was over, we were all the slaves of an actress, just five years old. For on that afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, a star was really born. Tonight we present Shirley Temple in one of her biggest 20th century Fox hits, The Littlest Rebel. And opposite Shirley, we have two leading men, two, count them, Claude Rains and Preston Foster, both rivals for the ladies' heart. Naturally, this is a proud week for us, all of us here. We're proud that this distinguished event is brought to you in this theater by Lux Toilet Soap. And I know you share our pride, because without your help and support, this play and cast would be only a producer's dream. Your part in this theater is just as important as any part played on this stage. And we hope that every day you'll give Lux Toilet Soap the important role in your daily living that it deserves. The Littlest Rebel is a story of the human side of the war between the states. It's about a little girl whose bravery and courage found friends and men of goodwill on both sides. Claude Rains is her father, a captain in the Southern Army. Preston Foster is a Northern colonel. And tonight, Preston has brought his suitcase with him because right after the final curtain, he leaves for Regina and the Canadian opening of Northwest Mounted Police in which he played another soldier hero for me. Now we take you back to the Old South to see a great historic event through the eyes of a child. The curtain goes up on Act One of The Littlest Rebel, starring Shirley Temple as Virgie Carey, Claude Rains as Captain Carey, and Preston Foster as Colonel Morrison with Lee Whipper as Uncle Billy and Frank McGlynn as Abraham Lincoln. April 12, 1861. Throughout America is heard the first rumblings of a great conflict. And on this day, a gun will be fired at Charleston, heralding the opening of a four-year war between the states. On the old Cary Plantation in Virginia... The thunder of marching men has still to interrupt the quiet dignity of its peaceful country life. In the great reception hall of the mansion, the children of the neighborhood have gathered in honor of the young mistress, Virgie Carey, 11 years old today. At the head of the long, glittering table, she reigns supreme, the old colored servant, Uncle Billy, standing at her side, ready to die in her service or to pass another piece of cake to a hungry guest. Everything all right, Miss Virgie? Thank you, Uncle Billy. Everything's fine. Miss Virgie, may I have some of those cookies? Of course you may. Uncle Billy, 
serve these cookies to Master Harold and wipe his chin. Yes, Miss Bertie. Looked to me like Master Young Harold got more on the outside than on the inside. <laughs> Will anyone have some more ice cream? Another portion for you, Miss Gladys? No, thanks. I've had enough. Miss Bertie, there ain't no more ice cream. There ain't a single spoonful left. Oh, well, I'll only ask them once. I won't coax. More cake or ice cream, Master Philip? No, Miss Bertie. Nothing more for me, thank you. Would you care for more ice cream, Master Frederick? Yes, thank you very much. Now you've done it, Miss Bertie. Master Frederick, perhaps you'd rather have another nice big piece of cake. No, just ice cream. Oh. Uh, what are we going to do now, Miss Bertie? Give him mine, Uncle Billy. Yours? Yes. I haven't touched it yet. Take it to him, please. Yes. Yes, Miss Bertie. Now, will... Will anyone else? Have any That child of yours is the perfect hostess, Mr. Carey. Look at her. Isn't she lovely? Thanks. She takes after her mother. Oh, Robert, please. Oh, Master Carey, sir. Yes, Tom? Master Carey, that Sally Ann child of mine done just come up from quarters. Say she and Rosabelle and others got a present for Miss Birch. Well, that's fine, Tom. Master Carey, I done told all those children not to come up here. <laughs> oh, it's all right, Tom. Linda, I think you'd better take care of this. Of course, dear. They're all waiting outside, Miss Carey. I'll tell Virgie. She'll be right out. <laughs> now you get up some gumption, Sally Ann, and talk right out to Miss Virgie. What do you mean you scared? All you gotta do is give Miss Virgie the present we make for her. I'm shivering, Mammy. I'm shivering all over me. Now you hush. And don't forget to make that speech like I teach you. Here she come now. Hello, Sally Ann. Hello, Rosabelle. Go on, Sally Ann. Say it. Miss, Miss Virgie, ma'am. Yes? Miss Virgie, ma'am. Who y'all done come here to, to wish you? A many happy, uh, 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 happy... Returns. Yes, and that's it. Happy returns. And we all done made you a doll. And here it is. And, and, and there was more to say, but I didn't forget it. You said everything, Sally Ann. Please don't cry. And this is the very nicest present I got, because you all made it with your own hands. Thank you ever so much. Happy birthday, Miss Bertie. Happy birthday to you. Excuse me. I've got to go in now, and I'll save you all some cake. Miss Virgin, I have baby Do you like to dance, Master Philip? Oh, yes, Miss Virgie. And you dance very nicely, Miss Virgie, if I may say so. Thank you, Master Philip. But I hope you'll excuse me if I don't bow very low. My britches are too tight. That's perfectly all right. Just bow as far as you can. Thank you, Miss Bridget. Yes, sir. Come in, sir. I want to see Captain Carey right away. Yes. Sir. Who is it, Tom? It's a soldier, Miss Carey. I'm sorry to disturb you, ma'am, but I have a message for Captain Carey. It's very urgent. For Captain Carey? Oh, just a moment, please. Thank you. Robert, come here. Yes, my dear. Robert, a man just rode up. A soldier. Where is he? Uh, Captain Carey, sir? Yes, I'm Captain Carey. What is it? Fort Sumter was fired upon this morning, sir. The war has started. Oh, Gentlemen, please. You have any orders for me? Yes, sir. You are to present yourself at the armory immediately, sir, with horse and sidearms. And all men of the Richmond Grays report in the city before nightfall. We'll be glad. Send someone down the valley to spread the news. Yes, sir. Then ride north among the river plantations. Yes, sir. War. Oh, Robert. Well, it was bound to come, Linda, but it can't last long. I'll be back in no time, darling. There's nothing to worry about. 
That's what they told me when my father left for the Mexican War. I never saw him again. Linda, darling. I... I'd better get your things together. Yes, I'll have to leave as soon as I can. And I think we ought to get the children home. The roads may be filled with soldiers before night. We'll be mobilizing. Of course. Tom! Tom, get all the carriages ready as quickly as you can. Yes, sir, Miss Kerr. Frederick. That's the last one. Everybody gone, Miss Virgie. Uncle Billy, I don't think it was very polite to chase everybody out of my party like that. Can't help it, Miss Virgie. That mammy's got to get him home quick. You see, there's going to be a war. A war? Yes, a real war with lots of soldiers and battles and men killing each other with guns. But why? Why, Uncle Billy? It seems like to me, Miss Virgie, that no one knows why. I hear a white gentleman say that there's a man up north wants to free the slaves. What does that mean, free the slaves? I don't know myself what it means. It's funny, isn't it? Virgie! I'm down here by the gate. Miss Kerry say you better come in the house now, Miss Virgie. It's getting powerful late. In a little while, Uncle Billy. Ask her if I can stay out just five more minutes. You waiting for your daddy again, Miss Virgie. Who help him get you no sooner just watching the road? Them Yankees that was here last week said there ain't a Confederate soldier around here for miles. Yankees? What would they know? Here they come again, Miss Virgie. They're coming again. Who is? Yankee soldiers coming down the road. Better come inside the house, Miss Virgie. I'm not going to run. But there's liable to hurt you. I won't budge. I'm not afraid. I is. I scared something awful. Ain't you even just a speck afraid, Miss Virgie? Of course I'm not. Are you? Well, I hear the white gentleman say that your daddy didn't know what fear is. But if he won't find out, I could tell him now. Oh, what are you afraid of them for? Do you see that man riding in front? Well, watch. What you going to do? I'll show you. Miss Virgie, put away that slingshot. Get me a pebble. Where's a pebble? Please, Miss Virgie, you ain't wise to use that slingshot on a Yankee. You can. Watch. Oh, somebody, oh. That'll teach him to come snooping around here. Miss Virgie, you are starting another war. Who did that? Who did it? I did. Oh, well, you're truthful anyway. Who are you? I'm a Confederate. Oh, a little rebel, eh? I'm not a rebel. My daddy said so. I'm a Confederate. Is your daddy a soldier? He's the best soldier in the Army, the Confederate Army. Is he around here now? Do you suppose I'd tell you if he was? <laughs> no. You've got a lot of spunk, haven't you? I'm not afraid of you. I've noticed that. Nevertheless, young lady, I'm a colonel in this Army. <laughs> Yankee Army. And it's beneath the dignity of my position to be hit in the back of the neck with a slingshot. So you just mind your manners. Good day. Oh, I wish I wasn't, Dixie. Hooray! Hooray! Oh, Miss Virgie, Dixie don't! Dixie Land take my stand. Live and dying, Dixie. Away! Away! Goodbye, little rebel. Open the door, Uncle Billy. It's me. Master Carey. Miss Kay! Miss Virgie! It's Miss Kay! Come back! Shut that door and bolt it. Yes, sir. Robert. Oh, Robert, you've come at last. Linda. Daddy! Daddy! 
Hello, darling. Oh, Daddy. Oh, Robert, it's so wonderful to see you. It's been so long, darling. Here, here now. Are those tears? Tears of joy, that's all. Me too. Look, Daddy. Well, we can't have that. Southerners never cry. No? Then what are those in your eyes? Oh, raindrops. <laughs> On a sunshiny day. Can you stay long this time, Daddy? Not this time either, darling. I've got to get right on again. I'll see if Rosabel has lunch ready. I won't be able to stop for it, Linda. Oh. Well, you can take something along with you. You've got to have something. Are they getting a fresh horse for me, Uncle Billy? Uh, yes, sir. I I'll go see and make sure. They'll have it for you, Daddy. Everybody knows just what to do. We practice it every day. God love you. You're all over dust. Can I polish your boots? No, don't bother. Time's too precious. Just sit over here with me. Let Dad me look at you. Daddy... Are we winning the war? Well, it's hard to say yet. You mean we're losing? No, but don't worry about it. Things are going along. Will it last much longer? I hope not. Do you have to work hard in the war? Well, we all have to do our share. But every time I see you, you're always so tired. No, I'm not tired now. I'm looking at you. I miss you so, Daddy. Do you miss me? Very much, darling. Mother always pretends you're just gone for a little while and that there's nothing really wrong. And then when she's alone, she cries. I've seen her. But she does pretend. That's what matters. We've all got to pretend. I put something in your saddlebag, Robert. It isn't very much. Thank you, darling. I've got a travel light anyway. Well... Oh, do you really have to go so soon? Can't you rest just a little while? I've got to move on while the coast is clear. I have to find out where Sheridan's camping and report to General Lee before nightfall. Oh. Virgie, would you look out the window and see if Tom has a horse saddled? Yes, Mother. Robert... I'm worried about you on these scouting expeditions. If you're caught, you'll be shot as a spy. I can't be shot as a spy. Not as long as I'm in my own uniform. Please be careful. I will, darling. They're bringing the horse up, Daddy. Good. I'm well, ready, Mr. Carey. We got an old best saddle and weight at the back door. How is she, Uncle Billy? Oh, fine, Mr. Carey, fine, sir. Uh, we've only got two horses left. But they're both good, sir. Two left? Linda. I've, I've had to sell or trade nearly all the stock for food. I've kept the horses till the last. I thought you might need them. Why didn't you tell me? Oh, you have enough troubles. This is the part of the war we women must fight. They're coming! They're coming again! What's that? Master Kerr! Hurry! What's the matter, Tom? Yankees! Coming over the hill! Yankees! Robert, go quickly. Goodbye, darling. Don't be afraid. Please be careful. Of course. Goodbye, Virgie, honey. Bye, Daddy. Oh, come on, darling. Let's see you smile. I am smiling. Why, that's only half a smile. Come on, now, a big one. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, Dr. hurry up, please. Coming. Linda, listen. Yes. I'll try to cross the river the other side of the mill. I can hide in the woods till they pass. If I get over, I'll fire three quick shots to let you know I'm safe. Keep the Yanks here as long as you can. I'll need all the time I can get. Goodbye. Goodbye, darling. Daddy, Daddy. Yes, dear? Give my love to General Lee. I will, honey. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, Daddy. Tom? Yes, sir, Miss Carey. Where are those soldiers now? Just turning off the main road, Miss Carey. Uncle Billy. Get the corn from the barn into the house. Yes. Then hide the silverware in the cellar. Yes, sir. Wait. Where's Master Carey's horse, the one he rode here? We put him in the barn, Miss Carey. Well, take him out. Have Tom ride him to the bottom of the west field and turn him loose. They mustn't see that horse. Well, yes, ma'am. I'll tell Virgie, you come upstairs with me. I'm not afraid of Yankees. Please, dear. Oh! Search this house here. Boy, we go around the back. The rest stay with yes, me. Sir. Keep your eyes open for food and valuables. But, Sergeant Dudley, we have strict orders against looting. Shut Can up we... and do as you're told. I'm in charge here. Yes. Open up. Open up. Yes, sir. We're looking for a spy. 
Is there a rebel hiding in this house? No, sir. Nobody at all, sir. Who lives here? Uh, uh, Miss Carey, sir. Married? Uh, uh, yes, sir. Where's her husband? Uh, well, in the sir, army? Uh, uh, Is he? Uh, yes, sir. Where's she? Uh, she around. I don't know where, sir. Some of you men searched the house. She's hiding someone. If she wasn't, she'd be here. Uh, yes, sir. You. Bring me a drink. We ain't got nothing except some apple cider. Well, bring me that. Uh, yes, sir. Got any food? Food? Uh, no, sir. Ain't nothing at all. Sergeant Dudley. Find anything? Yes, sir. This corn out in front of the ground near it was wet as though a horse had been watered and the saddlebags filled. Uh, this corn ain't been there ten minutes. The sun ain't even turned it yet. Search the stables and rush some men down to the river near the old mill. That's where he'll cross if he gets away. Yes, sir. So there was nobody hiding in this house, huh? Come here, you. I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. There's food in the cellar, sir. Food? You didn't know that either, did you? Well, go get it and be quick about it. Come on, miss. Come on. You let go of me. Take your hands off me. Easy now. Easy. I found this kid hiding at the top of the stairs. It's a woman we want. Find her. Yes. Come over here. Where's your mother? Where's your mother? <laughs> All right, little lady. We're not in any hurry. We'll be here for a long time yet. Well, might as well be comfortable. Here. Pull these boots off for me. Pull them off yourself. Did you hear what I said? Now grab that boot. Down there at the heel. Now pull. Pull, no push. Look out, you... I'll show you. Oh, you're shoving the chair over you. Next time, maybe you'll do it yourself. Come back here, I'll tan your hide, you little... Come here. Come here before I... Let child alone. Get out of my way. Don't you dare touch her, do you hear? Get out of my way. Oh, mother, mother. Oh, you knocked you down the stairs. I saw what you did. I... Are you hurt, lady? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to push you. Don't you hurt my mother. Let her alone. Let her alone. Attention. Sergeant Dudley, Colonel Morrison is here. Morrison. What's going on here? Are you hurt, madam? No. No, I'm all right. Who's in command here? I am, sir. Sergeant Dudley. I might have known it would be you, Dudley. You know what he did? He was going to take our corn and our food, and he wanted to hurt me, and he threw my mother down the stairs. You men put that loot back where you got it. Yes, sir. Lieutenant Harris. Yes, sir. Take this man outside and give him 25 lashes. Investigate the others. If any are guilty, give them five lashes each. Yes, sir. I can't tell you how sorry I am, madam. And you too, miss. You were crying, weren't you? No, I wasn't. I'm just mad. And when I tell my daddy about this, he'll just go and lick your whole Yankee army. <laughs> I won't blame him a bit. Here, here's my handkerchief. I'll blow. Thank you. You're welcome. Madam, I'm Colonel Morrison. You're Mrs. Robert Carey, aren't you? Yes, Mrs. Carey, a rebel scout is known to be in the neighborhood. I'm sorry to have to question you. I know nothing about him. I happen to know that you do. He's your husband. You seen him today? No. Would you tell me if you had? Would you expect me to? <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. Colonel Morrison? Yes? We just found a horse in a corral half a mile below. It shows signs of having been ridden hard in the last 20 minutes. That means he changed horses here. Sent five men to the river. Put two sharpshooters on the roof of that old mill. They can cover both banks. Wait! What's that? A godsend. Oh. In that case, I'm afraid there's no longer any necessity for my staying. Never mind that order, Corporal. He's already across. We'll go back to camp. Yes, sir. Mrs. Carey, if you should see your husband again, I'd advise him to stay out of this section. They don't always get away from us. Good day, madam. Good day to you, little rebel. Virgie, did you see his face? He was... Almost glad that Daddy got away. He was... He was nice, wasn't he? Too bad he's a Yankee. 
In a moment, Mr. DeMille will bring back Shirley Temple, Claude Rains, and Preston Foster in Act Two of The Littlest Rebel. Did you ever stop to think that everything you say makes a sort of tune? Now, for instance, if you wake up feeling unhappy, you're likely to say good morning like this. Good morning. But if you wake up feeling very gay and happy, you probably say, good morning. That sounds better, doesn't it? Now, isn't it true that the woman who wakes up happy in the morning is usually the woman who looks pretty in the morning? The woman whose husband puts down his newspaper to say, how nice you look, and thinks to himself, what beautiful skin. And when you talk about beautiful skin, about the complexion care nine out of ten screen stars use, it too makes a tune. Yes, Lux Toilet Soap. You know, Lux Toilet Soap has come to be a sort of symbol of beauty. Know why? It's because this mild white soap has active lather that removes stale cosmetics, dust, and dirt thoroughly, gives skin the protection it needs to stay lovely. Now, our producer, Mr. DeMille. Act two of The Littlest Rebel, starring Shirley Temple as Virgie Carey, Claude Rains as Captain Carey, and Preston Foster as Colonel Morrison, with Lee Whipper as Uncle Billy. Months drag slowly by, the flame of war rising higher each day, laying fearful waste to home and farm. Directly in the path of destruction, in the crossfire of two armies, lies the Carey plantation. It's deserted now, for Mrs. Carey, Virgie, and Uncle Billy have taken refuge in the fields. For a whole day, they've watched the shells bursting near their house. And now, with night, a driving rain sweeps down upon them as they huddle close around a lantern. We can't get back to the house tonight, Miss Carey. <coughs> Yankees already down by the South Field. The house right in the line of fire. <coughs> Mother, the shells are dropping in the yard. What about going downtown? Yes. <coughs> to slave quarters. Can we go there? No, ma'am. They're firing there, too. Then we're safer here. We'll wait till morning anyway. Mother, you're cold. Please take this blanket. I don't need it, Mother. Honest, I don't. No. You keep it, darling. Put it up around your throat good and tight. But, Mother... It's all right, dear. I'm not a bit cold. I'm warm, really. Do as I say. All right, Mother. Captain Carey, sir. Yeah? Oh, come in. Sorry to disturb your rest, sir. One of your slaves just came into camp. He wants to see you. One of my slaves? Yes, sir. Well, how could he have gotten through the Yankee lines? Well, send him in. Yes, sir. Come in here. Oh, Master Carey, thank the Lord I found you, sir. What is it, Uncle Billy? Mr. Carey says you're awful sick. Sick? Yes, sir. I was afraid, Master Carey. She keep asking for you all the time. I was afraid. What happened? Well, sir... They fought right in the front of the house, in the slave quarters. And the house burned down, sir. Miss Carey catch her death of cold. She coughed and bad. How long has this been going on? Uh, she was sick for three weeks and getting worse. And living in a cabin that ain't fit for the likes of me. So I thought I'd better fetch you, sir. I've been going from camp to camp looking for you for over a week now. 
And Virgie is... Virgie all right? Oh, she finds her. Never complain about nothing. Always cheerful. Been a great comfort to Miss Carey. But I was afraid Mr. Carey needs you now, sir. I'll get Lee right away. We'll have to take our chances on getting through the Union lines. Yes, sir. I got some logs in the river covered with brush. We can float down past the Union camp and cut inland and cross through the Chickahominy Swamp. All right, come on. We've got to get into the swamp before daybreak. Keep the logs off the bank. We're drifting into the shore. Yes, sir. Sure would be a help if we could see that bank. I never did see a dark night like this. That moon, that moon will only stay behind the clouds. We'll make it. Where did you say that Union camp was? Just below, yes, sir. But maybe a half a mile, maybe less. Were they camped on both sides of the river? No, sir. Only on this side. The one we's on now. How wide is the river on that point? Did you notice? Uh, no, sir. I couldn't say for sure. But it's mostly narrow all the way, like about here. That means we'll have to float right down past their centers. Yes, sir. Pretty close. They could just both reach out and touch us as we go by. If we go by. We will. Keep low down on the raft. And pull that brush up over you. I won't even breathe, my scare. Except I was just thinking, how are we going to pull the raft along if we're laying down? She gets stuck awful easy in the back here. We'll have to take that chance. I'll keep it out as far in the middle of the stream as I can. Uh, look, Masker, there's the camp now. I see the fire. What? Shh. Hear that, Masker? Somebody playing the mouth on. It means they're still up and stirring. Maybe not. There aren't many fires burning. Look, sir. Here comes that moon again. They can see us for sure now. Hold the raft back to me. Now work it out in the middle. Hold it. I see a soldier, sir. The one that's playing. He's sitting right on the edge of the bank, sir. It's too late to turn back now. We'll have to go on right past him. Keep it on low. And if he stops playing, shove the raft over to the other bank and run for the trees. Understand? Yes, sir. The minute he stopped playing. Only I wish I hope he don't stop. Ready now? Yes, sir. Come on. Did it, sir? Right under the nose, Yankee's nose. Yes. He plays well, doesn't he? Yes, sir. <laughs> You're feeling better now, aren't you, Mother? I think so. Yes, dear. Sure. You just stay in bed and don't try to get up. Daddy will be here soon. He'll make everything fine again. You just wait and see. We mustn't be too sure, darling. And then we won't be disappointed if he can't come. Perhaps Uncle Billy couldn't get through the Yankee lines. Uncle Billy can do anything. He'll bring Daddy back. I know it. Now I have my housework to do. So you just lie quiet till I finish. All right. I'm very proud of you, darling. I'll be right back. <laughs> Rosabel. Are you crying? No, ma'am, Miss Virgin. I ain't crying. My eyes just kind of slipped. <laughs> well, Master Carey will be here soon, and then your eyes won't have to slip. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> be quiet. Who is it? Virgie, let us in. It's Daddy. Daddy! Miss the Lord, he done come. 
Oh, Daddy. Virgie, darling. The whole Yankee army couldn't stop him. Hush, hush now. Close that door. Virgie, how's your mother? Oh, she's much better. She's in here. Come on. Mother, mother, look. Robert. Oh, thank heaven. Rosabelle, set another place for dinner. Lin Linda. Linda, how are you? Are you really better, darling? I had to live until you got here. And I knew Virgie would be safe. Don't talk like that. You're going to be well, darling. I'll take you out of here. We'll go south, far behind the lines. Yes. Virgie. And you, Linda? You. Look at me, Robert. Can't you see? It's too late, darling. Linda. Put more wood on the fire, Uncle Billy. Yes, ma'am. Robert. Don't let her see Mother, didn't I tell you Uncle Billy would find him? Wasn't I right? Yes, dear. And you don't have to leave right away this time, do you, Daddy? No. No, I'll stay. You see, Mother, he can stay. And the war will be over soon, and everything will be just like it used to be. We'll have our home again, and enough to eat, and, and you won't have to be sick anymore. And that's all true, isn't it, Daddy? Tell her it's true. Daddy! Virgie, dear. Yes, Mother? No matter what happens, you've got to be very brave. Can't I be brave and still wish you weren't sick? Of course, dear. But Mother won't be sick much longer now. She's going to sleep soon, darling. And if Mother can dream in her sleep, my dear ones, if there are dreams in that sleep, I will dream of you, Virgie. Mother! Go outside, Virgie. Yes, Wait for me. Uncle Billy. Yes? My mother, she's very sick. Rosabelle says she is. Yes. I... I didn't know she was that sick. Will she get well again? Will she? That ain't for us to say, Miss Virgin. She will. She's got to get well. <laughs> Come here, my darling. What is it? Has something happened to Mother? Something very beautiful, darling. And that's how you must always think of it. That mother will never be ill again, nor discouraged, nor frightened, nor hungry. And she'll never suffer anymore. Just think of it as beautiful. No one will bother you. Yeah. I'll return as soon as I can. In the meantime, I'd like to feel that someone was taking care of things. I know, sir. I'll be here, and I'll put flowers on a grave every day. Yeah, sir. Thanks. Now, there hasn't been a Yankee patrol through here since morning. There's bound to be one soon. Get Miss Virgie's things ready. You mean you go out and take Miss Virgie, would you, Captain? Yep. Through the Yankee line? I've got to get her to my sister in Richmond. She'll be safe there. But, Captain, it's dangerous. You can't do that, sir. We do lots of things in this war, Uncle Billy, that can't be done. Open! Listen. 
You can't leave now, sir. I'll have to hide here. Uh, there's a trap door, Master Carey, up in the ceiling, sir. That'll do. You've got to go, Daddy. They're coming. I can't. It's too late. Uncle Billy, is there a ladder to get up there? Never mind. Push that table over there. Yes, sir. Virgie, listen. Do you remember how Mother always taught you never to tell a lie? Yes. Well, if these Yankees come, you'll have to break the rule, darling. All right. What shall I say? If they should stop here and question you, tell them I was here, but I left an hour ago, and you saw me cross the river. I will. They're coming, Master Carey. Up here. Right over your head, darling. Don't be frightened when they come. Just act as though you didn't know they were here. Go ahead, Master Carey, please. All right, sir? Yes. Now put that table back against the wall. Remember... Act as if nothing had happened. We will. Close the trap door, so they're coming right now. Uncle Billy, have you got your mouth organ? <laughs> yes, I got it. Well, play something, quick. I, I don't know as I can. Miss Burns, I'm shaking so. Well, try. Go <laughs> on. Yes, ma'am. you again. I'm sorry to bother you. How's the littlest rebel of them all? Fine, Yankee. Just fine. Do you mind if I come in and dry my coat at your fire? No, sir. Come in. Thank you. You two all alone here? What? I said, are you two all alone here? Oh, yes, we are. Your daddy hasn't been around, has he? Yes, he was, but he left an hour ago. Hmm, that's so. Yes, sir. I saw him cross the river. Well, now, that's very interesting. Play something else, Uncle Billy. Uh, yes. Just a minute. What was your father doing here? He came to see my mother. She was very sick, and she kept asking for him. So Uncle Billy went and brought him. And, and then this morning, my mother, she went away. She went? Oh, I'm very sorry. My daddy said I must always think of it as beautiful. Your daddy's right. You see, I have a little girl, too, just about your age. I'd be awfully sorry if her mother went away. Are you warm enough now? Yes, I think so. Good night. Good night. Just in case your father should... What's the matter? You had that table out in the center of the room, eh? Oh, no, sir. Oh, no, sir. No? What are those tracks on the floor? Them? Oh, I must have made them sweeping. The table stood right here, and up there... Is that a trap door in the ceiling? There's nothing up there, nothing at all. You've been lying to me. No, sir, I haven't. Your father is here now. He isn't. You know he is. He was here, but he left an hour ago. I saw him cross the river. You tell me the truth. It is the truth. Tell me or I'll give you the worst licking you ever had in your life. No, no. Just a minute. Daddy, get back. I'm coming down. I thought that'd fetch you. Drop down and keep your hands in the air. Now, back up against that wall. You got a pistol? Inside my coat. I'll take that. All right, you can put your hands down now. Daddy, I didn't do it right, did I? Yes, you did. I'm proud of you, Virgie. I said just what you told me to. And you were perfect. I was only fooling about that licking. I wasn't really going to do it. Go inside, dear. Daddy will call you. Take her inside, Uncle Billy. Yes, sir. Yes. Can you arrange it so that my arrest won't frighten her? I'll try. Thanks. Got any papers on you? No. I'm not scouting this trip, Colonel. I came home to bury my dead. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. Come on. Let's get it over with. I'm ready to leave now. You don't want to see the little girl? I'd rather not. I don't believe I could stand it. You were going to leave her here alone? I was going to take her to Richmond. You can tell her that... Well, tell her the war is almost over, and I'll, I'll be home soon. I wish that were true. Captain, I don't think my country expects me to make war on babies. 
If you get that child to Richmond, it's all right with me. Here, take this. What is it? A pass through our lines. A pass, but... Now, uh, if you were in a Yankee uniform, you might make it. Otherwise, I doubt it. You have a choice. Of course, you realize what it means if you're caught. You're taking an awful chance yourself, Colonel. War is full of chances. Do you know the Cartwright Plantation? Well, they've got a carriage and a couple of horses. I left a uniform there to be mended by the slaves. If you wanted to steal it from me, I don't know how I could stop you. I won't forget this, Colonel. I hope you get through. Thanks. There's just one thing I want you to promise. In passing through our lines, whatever you see or hear, forget. My word of honor. You'd better leave right now. Virgie, come in. Get out the back way. Follow the woods to Cartwrights. I'll keep my men here for half an hour. Virgie, put your coat on. Hurry. Daddy, is the Yankee going to help us? Yes, darling. The Yankee's going to help us. You see, you made me think of my little girl. Oh, well, I hope you get home to see her soon. Thank you. Goodbye, Colonel. Good luck, sir. Goodbye. Goodbye, little rebel. You know something. You're nice enough to be a confederate. (laughs) Daddy, this isn't the same road we used to take to Richmond. I know, honey. We're going the long way round. I'd rather not meet anyone if we can help it. Well, you've got a Yankee uniform on. And didn't that man give you a pass to show them? Yes, but the Yanks around here might recognize me. I don't want to use the pass till we get out of this neighborhood. This isn't a very nice neighborhood anyway. Oh! Halt there! Halt! Oh! Where are you going, mister? I'm taking this child to her father just beyond our lines. Colonel Morrison sent me. Here's our pass. Where'd you come from? Uh, Curtis Plantation. I left there at noon. Why aren't you using the main road? Full of artillery, going the other way. Well, this looks all right, but I don't know. We got orders to be on the watch for a rebel scout. They caught him this morning. They did? Morrison's men at his own plantation. Oh. What's your regiment? 72nd Vermont. That's all right, then. The camp just a mile below here. Go ahead. Thanks. Wait! Hold that carriage. Come here, Judson. Just a minute, mister. Daddy, that other man. It's the same one who came to the house. The one who hurt Mother. Quiet, darling. Keep your face covered. Did I hear somebody say something about Colonel Morrison? I did. I just came from him. Here's my pass. Yeah? Whose kid is this? A friend of Colonel Morrison's. A friend on the other side of our lines? Well, there's been heavy fighting south of here. The lines change every day. Let me see that kid. Come on, look up. Give me a light over here. Listen, I have a pass. Never mind the pass. I want to see that kid. Come here. Let me alone. Yeah, I thought so. Ever seen me before? No. No, well, I've seen you. Hold this kid, Judson. Her old man is the most dangerous scout in the rebel army. And you, mister. We want to speak to you, too. Get out of the way! Stop! Stop that carriage! He's a rebel spy! Oh! Oh! They're still behind us. They're coming closer, Daddy. Get down on the floor. I'm going to stop at the bottom of this hill. Then we'll run for the woods. All right, Daddy, but hurry, hurry. Give me a hand. Now, jump. Come on, out there. Out. Look, there's more of them. They're coming the other way. Stop. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. I've got my child. Stand where you are. Don't shoot. My child's there. Hold your fire. There's a little girl with her. Daddy, we can still red. Come on. No, dear, I'm afraid we're licked. Don't move, mister. You armed? No. Take care of that girl, Harris. You come along with me, mister. You're under arrest.
After a brief intermission, Mr. DeMille will return with Shirley Temple, Claude Rains, and Preston Foster in Act Three of The Littlest Rebel. Now, a day with Mary Kay, secretary. Yes, Mr. Jones, coming. Mr. Jones' office. In a minute, Mr. Jones. Yours of the fourth received. Right away, Mr. Jones. Sorry, Mr. Jones is in conference. Oh, all right. No, sorry, he's still in conference. The contract you refer to... Mr. Jones' office. Oh, wait a minute, please. I'm coming. And so Mary Kay has quite a day of it. She works late and gets home a little out of breath because, as luck would have it, she has that night a big, a very big date. She hasn't time for a nap, but she knows what to do. She draws a tub of warm water, gets in, and relaxes completely. Yes, Lux toilet soap. That's the soap she uses. She covers herself all over with its rich, fragrant lather. Yes, active lather that makes her sure of skin that's really fresh. She steps out of her Lux toilet soap beauty bath, feeling like a million, buzzers and phone bells forgotten. In no time at all, she's ready, dressed in a very gay frock, off for an evening that's sure to be gay, off with a proud young man who's sure to say nice things. Mary, what makes you so sweet? We pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Curtain rises on the third act of The Littlest Rebel, starring Shirley Temple as Virgie Carey, Claude Rains as Captain Carey, and Preston Foster as Colonel Morrison, with Lee Whipper as Uncle Billy and Frank McGlynn as Abraham Lincoln. Arrested as a rebel spy, Captain Carey was taken before a military court to be tried and sentenced. But he was not alone. Another man stood trial with him. Colonel Morrison, accused of treason. And the sentence passed upon both was death. In adjoining cells of a Yankee prison, two men await news of their appeal. And one night it comes as a Union officer stops in the corridor outside Carey's cell. Captain Carey? Yes, sir. I'm afraid I've got to give you some bad news, Captain. The appeal was denied. Yes. Every finding of the court was upheld. I see. And that... When does the party take place? The morning of the 27th. At dawn. Well, I still have six days. Are there any messages you want sent? I'd be glad to do anything I can, Captain. You've done enough already, sir. Is my little girl all right? Oh, yes. We sent for that old slave of yours. He arrived this morning. He's looking after her. She has a room with Mrs. Robinson on the next street. Thanks. You've been very kind, Major. 
Colonel Morrison? Yes, I know. I heard you. No chance at all, huh? No. I'm sorry, Colonel. He's innocent, Major. All he did was to try to help a child. The evidence we couldn't overcome, Colonel, was the fact that you not only gave Captain Carey a pass, but he was wearing your uniform. I stole that uniform. We couldn't make them believe that. I'll be around, Colonel, if there's anything you want done. Thanks, Major. Well, it was a gamble and we lost. I haven't any regrets. When I think of my own baby, I'd do the same thing over again. If helping a child is treason, I'm afraid I come of a family of traitors. always expects me at 3.30. He says it makes his afternoon seem shorter. That's hard and fast as I keep, Miss Virgie. Do you think they'll keep him locked up much longer? No, Miss Virgie. I expect they'll take him out pretty soon now. I hope so. You know, last night when I said my prayers, I asked God to let Daddy out of there, and, and I asked him for a new dress, too. And then I thought maybe that was too much to ask, so I said he didn't have to bother about the dress. There's no use taking any chances, is there? No, ma'am. That was right. But if you want that dress, I'll kind of slip a, a little hit in my prayers tonight. All right. Oh, before I forget, Uncle Billy, when we get there today with Daddy, if you look sad like you did yesterday, I'll never take you again. Oh, no, Miss Worsley. I, I, I won't look sad. See that you don't now. We've got to smile to show them that we're happy. Yeah, I'll smile. Come on, now. Tell me everything you've been doing. Well... I don't get much news in here. Well, I sewed up a hole in my dress. And this morning, I helped Mrs. Robinson with the housework. She's awfully nice. I'm sure of it. Go on. Daddy, when are they going to let you out? I thought we weren't going to talk about that. Now, tell me... Tell me what else you've been doing. Well, there's a little girl lives across the street, and she has a pony. She let me ride it yesterday. That was grand. And she invited me in for lunch. She's a Yankee, of course, but she said she didn't care whether I was a rebel or not, and I said I didn't care whether she was a Yank. <laughs> Even if there is a war, she was awfully nice to me. Daddy, when she was so nice, and Colonel Morrison so nice, and Mrs. Robinson, why did the rest of the people have to kill each other? I don't know, honey. Perhaps someday when we grown-ups learn to have as much sense as you children, there won't be any more wars. Right here. Miss Virgin, we got to go now. Not yet, Uncle Billy. The major man says so. We got things we got to do. Perhaps you better, darling. Then tomorrow you can come again. All right. Goodbye, Daddy. You're not leaving without saying goodbye to me, are you? No, sir. Goodbye, Colonel Morrison. Tomorrow when I come, I'll do all my talking with you. You switch around, huh? Well, you see, you tried to help us. So I've made you a sort of... a sort of second, Daddy. Do you mind? Thank you. Nothing so nice has ever happened to me. Goodbye, Yankee. Goodbye, little rebel. Hi, Miss Worthy. We got to hurry up fast. What's the matter, Uncle Billy? Where are we going? Listen, that major man, he gave me some money, and he wrote a letter for us to give to some man up there in Washington. In Washington? Yes, that's where we got to go right now, all the way to Washington. The major man say it's the only way. But I don't know if we got enough money to get there. Who's the letter to? I don't know. Some man. 
A big, important man. He wrote his name right here on the letter. Let me see. There it is. What do you say, Miss Virgin? To Mr. Mr. Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln? Who he? Please, sir, how much is the railroad fare for a colored man to wash? Six dollars and twenty cents. And how much for this little girl? Well, she's a little too tall for half fare. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm standing on my toes. This is my right size. See? Well, don't get down any lower, miss, or you'll be kneeling. All right. Five dollars and sixty cents for you, first class. Thank you. That will be eleven eighty altogether. Eleven eighty. We got that much, Miss Word? No. Mr. O, we have is seven dollars. I'm sorry. Eleven eighty. Now what are we gonna do? How do people get money, Uncle Billy? I don't know. I never had no money. I know. Remember the time Daddy took us to the fair? There was somebody singing in the street, and a man with a hat was passing through the crowd. Come on, come on, Uncle Billy. We'll get that money right away. Yep, the cause, white folks. But I like to hear a lollipop. Which cause? Why, the right cause. I don't put no money in a Confederate hat. Oh, right here then, boss. See, I brought along a union hat. Jesse Kate. Oh, that's different. Here. Thank you, sir. Help the cause. Help the cause. Mr. Lincoln will see you now. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Come in, please. Come right in. Good morning, sir. Good morning. We we had an appointment. Let me see. It's written down here somewhere. Oh, yes. Miss Virginia Carey and Uncle Billy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mr. President. I'm pleased to meet you, Miss Carey. Thank you, sir. And how are you, Uncle Billy? Me? Oh, me. That's fine, sir. Good. Now, let's see. Major Thomas wrote me about this case. Suppose you sit right down over here, Miss Carey, and tell me all about it. Yes, sir. Excuse me, I was peeling an apple here. You mind if I go right ahead? Oh, no, sir. Fine. I'll give you some when it's ready. Well, Miss Carey? Mr. President, my daddy and Colonel Morrison are in prison, and they're going to shoot them. Mm-hmm. Your father is a captain in the Confederate Army, isn't he? Yes, sir. Arrested as a spy. He isn't a spy. No? Do you know what a spy is? I know it's something bad because they shoot you for it. And my daddy couldn't do anything bad. I don't see how he could either with a little one like you. Have a piece of apple. Thank you kindly, sir. Now tell me about it. My daddy went away to the war, and then the Yankees came around our house. And sometimes my daddy came home. Was he in uniform? Yes, sir. What color? Gray. I see. Have another piece of apple? No, that's yours. I had the last piece. That's right. Thank you. Then what happened, Miss Carey? Well, then there were so many Yankees around, my daddy couldn't come home anymore. And then our house burnt down, and we had to move into a cabin, and... Oh, <laughs> excuse me, but that's my piece. You had the last one. I, 
I beg your pardon. You forgot, that's all. Well, then my mother got sick, and she kept asking for Daddy all the time. So Uncle Billy went and brought him home, and then, then she was going away. She said she was going to sleep. I understand, but you mustn't cry. Please don't. I won't. What happened next? Then the Yankees came, and my daddy had to hide in the garret. And Colonel Morrison came in. He talked to me. He's awfully nice. He has a little girl, too, just my age. Then he found Daddy. And Daddy told him about wanting to take me to my Aunt Caroline in Richmond so I could get enough to eat. Yes, sir. That's why the colonel gave Martha Carey to pass her. Just so he could bring Miss Virgie where she could get taken care of. I see. Now, on this trip, before your daddy was captured, did he write anything down on the paper or anything? No, sir. Did he ever stop and look at the Yankee soldiers or count them or look at the cannon? No, sir. He told me that if we got to Richmond and anyone asked me what I'd seen, I was in honor bound not to tell them. He told you that? Yes, sir, because Colonel Morrison asked him not to see anything. And my daddy gave his word, and they shook hands. Just a moment. Mr. Harper! Yes, Mr. President? I want you to deliver this message for me. Mr. President? Yes, Miss Carey? You won't let them shoot my daddy and Colonel Morrison, will you? Harper, rush this by special courier. Yes, Mr. President. You know, Miss Carey, they accuse me of pardoning too many people. But it seems to me that the natural hazards of war are sufficient in themselves, without us adding to them. Is this your piece of apple? No, it's yours. I had the last piece. Oh, Mr. President. Mr. President. There, there, now, there. All your terrible fears are over. The note I just sent was to General Grant. Your father and Colonel Morrison are going free. This pass will see you through our lines. Thanks, Major. Thank you. Colonel Morrison, will you please report to your own regiment? I'll leave at once. Very good, sir. Good day, gentlemen. Good day. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, Captain, I'll say goodbye. Goodbye, sir. Goodbye, Yankee. Goodbye, Rebel. Thank you for fixing things up with Mr. Lincoln. Perhaps we'll all meet again sometime. Not until the war is over, I hope. We'll pray for that, sir. Oh, that won't be long. You seem pretty sure about it. I am. You see... Mr. Lincoln and I talked it all over. I think we're going to fix that up, too. (laughs) (laughs) And that was Claude Rains and Shirley Temple in The Littlest Rebel for the Lux Radio Theatre. Love a happy ending, don't you? Right, well, let's flip over quickly to who the hell is that Hollywood legend and see if you guessed who it was. Uh, I think Jim thinks he knows it, and I haven't the faintest idea, so I'll pass. Yes, Jim. Is it by... Do you have... I'm only allowed one. George Sanders? Yeah. Yes, it was that most dastardly of cads, and the star the girls were swooning over like crazy. 
during the Foreign Correspondent Film Club night, Mr. George Sanders. I bet you got that. Well, that's all we have time for this week, but do make sure you join me for the bonus edition of Attaboy Clarence this week, as I'll be telling you all about the one and only movie starring Miss Peg Entwistle, the girl who leapt to her death from the Hollywood sign, and which also stars Irene Dunn and Myrna Loy as a serial killer. Intrigued? You should be. It's quite a trip. Film Club this weekend is a Gene Tierney double bill. We'll be watching Laura, followed by Leave Her to Heaven. Two outstanding film noirs with Gene in full heroin mode and full villain mode. So make sure you're there for that. All you have to do to get access to all the bonus shows at the Film Club Nights and hundreds more bonuses is make sure you're signed up at patreon.com slash attaboysecret. You can either type it into a browser yourself or click the link in the show notes and within seconds you'll have access to everything. Plus you'll even get your name in the credits for each and every podcast episode I make. Until next time then, take stupendous care of yourselves and those you love and from Claude... Shirley, Jean, and Miriam. Bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month, and in return you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and ebooks. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.